Major support for Carolina Business Review provided by Grant Thornton. Operating in more than 100 countries, our tax audit and advisory professionals specialize in helping companies unlock their growth potential. Colonial Life, providing benefits to employees to help them protect their family, their finances, and their futures. High Point University, the premier life skills university, focused on preparing students for the world as it is going to be. And Sonoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries. PayPal, Venmo, Zelle, cryptocurrency, blockchain, cybersecurity, AI. These are all very important parts of fintech. Welcome again to the most widely watched source of Carolina business policy and public affairs. I'm Chris William. Thank you for supporting this dialogue. FinTech is shorthand for describing the dramatic growth of an industry known as financial technology. In other words, it relates directly to innovation in financial services. Some call it shadow banking. We will unpack it, how, what it is, how it's growing, and what its impact is in the Carolinas. And we start right now. Gratefully acknowledging support by Martin Marietta, a leading provider of natural resource-based building materials, providing the foundation upon which our communities improve and grow. Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Visit us at SouthCarolinaBlues.com. The Duke Endowment, a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, health care, rural churches, and children's services. Bearings, a leading global asset management firm dedicated to meeting the evolving investment and capital needs of its clients. Learn more at Bearings.com. On this edition of Carolina Business Review, Chris Cox of Aperture, Dan Roselli from Queen City Fintech, Jillian Monroe of Spreedly, and Dan Dries from Avid Exchange. Welcome again to our program, Fintech. So, Jillian, I'll start with you. I mean, it's a, it's a dope-sounding name, but what what is fintech really? Well, I mean, so so definitionally, obviously, I mean, you you already said it is financial technology. But I think when I think about it, I think more of it as terms of themes and concepts around it. Um, you know, it's it's innovation. It's digital. Um, it is taking um, you know filling holes and gaps that we don't have in the industry. Um, you know, from traditionally from you know kind of the big sources. Um, and it's, um, you know, it's, it's pushing the envelope. It's total disruption. So Dan, uh, Queen City FinTech, of course, yeah. in Charlotte, but also uh, Carolina FinTech. Well, is it because the banks have not been able to regulatory, uh, in the regulatory process being nimble enough to, to invest in FinTech? Is that why this sprouted? Yeah, yeah, the entrepreneurial community has the advantage of being able to move really quickly, to fail fast, to iterate through that. Uh, and the nice part for the big companies is if something goes wrong, it's outside their firewall. They don't have to worry about the ramifications of, of something blowing up. And I think the, the big financial institutions have realized that staying close to that disruption is really better than pretending it doesn't exist. Yeah. Chris, Dan, please. Yeah, I mean, I would add, I think a lot of times people use the term fintech to draw a distinction between modern technology companies who enable financial services and traditional providers of financial services like banks and credit unions. But it's really getting harder and harder to make that distinction. Banks to compete and survive in today's market really have to be fintechs. 
So you're seeing, you know, a lot of banks actually start to refer to them as themselves as fintechs because they need to to compete. Well, and that's the natural progression, though, isn't it? That the arbitrage between what fintech is and what big banks are, that gap gets smaller and smaller. Yeah, I, I love what you said, Chris. I, I just add the, the one word that keeps coming to my mind is software. At the center of all this is is software, and then and the other big word would be speed. So I think Dan, you said mm -hmm. that. You know, the, the fact that we can go faster and help banks meet this new need, the needs of, of their consumers, which is just, their expectations are so high. They're used to these consumer experiences that are just magical. And for institutions to move really fast and catch up with that, you gotta have help. And that's kind of where I think FinTech kind of comes in. Does, does the success of FinTech start to draw some, not start to draw some, but, Increased scrutiny from the regulatory bodies, like the Fed, like the U.S. government, like mm -hmm. Basel II, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so it's interesting. A lot of the regulators from Washington, they will come and do roadshows now. So they've understood this just like the big financial services companies have. They come and they'll do office hours with our startups that we bring to Charlotte because they say, we want to help you figure out the regulatory landscape. We want to make sure you don't step on landmines as you're innovating. So they've done a pretty good job of collaborating, more than you would think. How, how do some of your old yeah. colleagues at Fidelity JP Morgan, do they look at this as an oppositional or do they look at this as, so FinTech competes with us yep. or they put their arms around hmm. it? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, so it's one, how do we, you know, how do big companies make that leap into FinTech? And that's, you know, kind of where you have a lot of cultural challenges, um, you know, some talent challenges yep. um, and some regulatory challenges because there are a lot of more obligations from a you know, big company standpoint. Um, but at the same time, it's great opportunity for companies to work with smaller mm -hmm. companies, um, to embrace them, to partner with them, you know, maybe even to purchase them and bring them into their estate as, as a product and kind of catapult their own product mm -hmm. set. In my experience, um, the regulators understand where financial services are going in terms of new technology. M my company, for example, provides services to banks and credit unions. So we're actually examined every year by the FFIC and they're looking at us to help them understand what are the regulatory impacts of these new technologies, like the cloud, like open APIs, and I think they're relatively. And tell, tell us what an API is for people that don't. Yeah, it's a, it's, well, it's an acronym, application programming interface. It's sort of shorthand for ease of integration between disparate information okay. systems. That's what it is. So an so, easy way to connect different ser service, software so services. So Avid Exchange would be an API? We have APIs. We leverage APIs to connect with banks and our customers in, in really fast, simple ways. Yes. Yeah. And, Spreadly, and Spreadly does as well, right? We are an API to payment processors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think at Avid Exchange, Dan, obviously you're deep in the DNA with Avid Exchange, Mike Prager, et cetera, et cetera. Do you feel the scrutiny eventually, the heat and light will be shown on from the regulators on Avid Exchange and like companies? Will that eventually happen? Well, actually, I, I think about it a little bit differently. I think in the early days of, of FinTech, I think companies got uh, you know, a little bit of cold water when they first realized all of the compliance, they had to figure it out. Um, at this stage of the game, when you've got uh, companies like Avid Exchange and others that have kind of figured out that that's important, frankly, have cross-pollinated bank talent into these companies and people get it, you actually have the opportunity to build compliance in to the base platform. And in a way... Almost self-policing? Well, 
I wouldn't say self-policing, but I would say is it's almost a more, you can, if you have a, a blank sheet of paper, you're able to design compliance into your platform in ways that maybe is harder for a bank that has lots of legacy tech to do. Mm -hmm. And so I think as long as uh, the firm is kind of graduated past those early days of like understanding what compliance means in financial services, you can design that in and actually be even more nimble. And in some, in some cases, you can be more secure because you're able to use the latest tech with a blank sheet of paper and new designs. And Chris, know. let me build on Dan's point, because um, it, it's true in the entrepreneurial space, Charlotte and North Carolina is so deep on regulatory and compliance experts. Um, that's a lot of reasons why young fintech companies will come here is they know we have that expertise. That's and they a resource. It. That's, that's, that's a, not a competitive a advantage, absolutely. And a matter of fact, I think they see it that way. And to Dan's point, um, build that in from the beginning, especially international companies that are looking to come into the U.S. marketplace. They see Charlotte and North Carolina as one of the best places to land because that expertise is here. So does the money flow to the Carolinas then because of this, this momentum that's being built? Does it flow to Wake County, the Triangle? Is it flowing down New Hanover County? Who would have guessed that Wilmington would be the, <laughs> would be a center for this? That's right. We've got a, an emerging fintech scene in Wilmington, North Carolina, built around Live Oak Bank and companies like Aperture and Encino. And the money does come, right? I think this state, you know, with, with the banking center in Charlotte, technology center in Raleigh, and startups popping up all around the state. This Dig is, South, Charleston. I mean, that th those right. type, don't those help? It, it absolutely does, and, and uh, a spinoff uh, from some of the founders at Live Oak, uh, a venture fund called Canopy, is going to be one of the largest fintech venture funds in the country. Um, and, and so, yes, the, the money does flow. You know Packard placed the Entrepreneurship Center. We started over $2 billion in venture capital raised, most of that from fintech companies. Is it still early days? Would you guess when it comes to funding and development of fintech in the Carolinas? I think it probably is. I mean, I think, you know, we've got, you know, a couple of, of, of unicorns uh, in the state, which is really fantastic. And we've got a bunch in sort of the tween stage. Um, but there is a lot of funding coming. And I think it is a very, but I think it's a, it is a very, very attractive place um, for fintech companies as well as venture capital funders to come. Um, you know, just because of all of the amazing things that we have, right, between all the different, the big companies that help, you know, kind of drive thoughts and talent um, from the university um, you know, just and the and kind of that you know scrappy mm -hmm. startup culture that we have with things like the American Underground and such. Um, I think it's a very attractive place. I, th I think it's just starting. Yeah. I, I think the I think the idea that um, there's probably some exits in the near future and what that does to you know turn like Avid Exchange, perhaps <laughs> the turning turning those dollars over and getting them back into. Uh, into the uh, ecosystem to, to then germinate new and mm -hmm. that and remember it's the people who uh, have that gene that that startup gene that end up mm -hmm. uh, on an exit putting that money back into new ideas and I think we're I think we're early innings on on all of that and, and this is not to press you on the stand because I, kn I know you can't talk about this and you wouldn't talk about this but Avid Exchange is a perfect example of that so whether Avid Exchange does an exit through the public capital markets or not, it, an exit for a company that we'll call a unicorn, a billion plus, just organically grown, Pendo's another one up in the triangle, and I can think of a, a bunch of them, but, but the point is this, does an exit benefit more than just the shareholders in the original deal? Absolutely, it, it benefits every location uh, that that company functions in, and it creates new startups, it creates new ideas, so. 
Absolutely. It, and it benefits in a couple other ways. Early on, um, the early investors in Avid Exchange from Charlotte, Angel Partners, one of the very first angel funds, are going to have a nice exit. So angels in Charlotte and the Carolinas making money on unicorns is important. That's how people talk about at dinner parties. Um, and even the venture fund that we're doing, most of the people are, are entrepreneurs who have had exits uh, and built companies, and now they're investing back in the community mm -hmm. through, through funds. How easy is it to raise funds now? Well, that's really hard. <laughs> it's still, it's you always hard. You just made it sound like it was, you know, wind at your back. It, it is, and I think our community is doing really well. Um, but the reality is most early stage companies aren't going to get funded. And it's interesting, with Avid Exchange, has been helpful for us in what we do, because when they raised their $250 million D round from Bain about six, seven years ago, we could point to Avid Exchange and say, that, we're planting seeds that are going to grow up and look exactly like that. But even in Charlotte, $250 million, people kind of yawned at it. It was the seventh largest fintech venture funding in the world, and people kind of <laughs> yawned. How does that kind of wash over you, Chris, when you hear him talking about the numbers? Well, I mean, it's important, right? There, there, there is a lot of capital in this economy chasing good ideas. Yeah. But there are also a lot of good ideas, right? We're at, we're at, especially in financial services and fintech, we're at an inflection point, right? Right now, there is so much opportunity to provide better financial services to consumers and businesses. So the right ideas are going to get funded in this economy, and there's, there's capital out there to fund them. Is it, again, this question is going to sound pretty pedestrian, but is it easy to raise the money? It's never easy to raise money. Well, but as you just said, though, <laughs> and I don't even want to repeat this, but the wind's at your back, yeah. 11th year of an economy, a lot of private dollars looking for a place to go for any kind of yield. Right. Mm -hmm. Venture capital money's got to be looking for the same thing. So is it, if, okay, well, let me ask you this way, Chris. Right. If the economy slows down, would it be exponentially harder to get some of the deals funded? Well, there's, yes, I mean, there's obviously a correlation between the economy and availability of funding. So it's relatively easier in this economy to raise funds than it was in 2008, as an example. But still, investors are smart. They're looking for good ideas, they're looking for, you know, good management teams, uh, solid business plans. So it's, it's never easy to raise money, but it's relatively easier in this market. What's the biggest risk? We're talking about funding, we're talking about a slow economy to some degree, but what's your, what do you think the biggest risk is right now for FinTech? Cybersecurity. Really? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Someone said on a panel last week that I was involved with that cybersecurity is no longer an issue of when it's going to happen, but if, if it's going to happen, but when. So yep. now people are starting to think, Jillian, mm -hmm. that we're not going to be able to prevent it, so what's our remediation for it? Yeah. And the, is, that, is that an accurate way to describe oh, it? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, there's, there's attacks every single day. Um, it is not, it, you know, and everybody has to be right 100% of the time. The bad guys just need to be right once, uh, you know, one, and, that, and then you've got an attack. Um, so I think, I think the bigger challenge in cybersecurity is if you think about all of the big banks, they've spent a ton of money on this, and they are doing a really great job. They've got organizations that are hundreds, thousands deep. Um, and they've solved a lot of these problems, but they've also sucked up a lot of the talent. Hmm. Um, and they've also driven the value of the talent up considerably. Um, so uh, so it's, it's hard for startup companies to have the funding to be able to compete with the salaries mm -hmm. that the big mm -hmm. banks are paying for cybersecurity talent. Yep. But the interesting part of that is that it's also creating a secondary market, a secondary set of startups around cybersecurity that are now focusing on small to medium-sized businesses that do things like pen testing and red team testing as a service, consulting, you can rent a CISO. Um, 
the other thing that the, the small the startups have. You've thought about this a little bit. I've spent some time in this space. A few sleepless nights, maybe? Yeah, <laughs> perhaps. Um, but part of, you know, the, the other part of this is that the fintechs do have an advantage in that, and I think you, you touched on this, is that a lot of them are, aren't built on legacy. Mm -hmm. And complexity is what causes the um, complexity and variability is what causes a lot of so having to re so having to design or redesign something from or organically right. and not on the back of yeah you build it up with security in mind just as you talked about building it up with compliance in mind you're building a secure product from the start there's some interesting things happening in the early space uh, I think you know um, IBM runs their global hyper protect accelerator out of Charlotte and that's data security in the web for young fintech and health tech companies so you're seeing big companies mm -hmm bring the resources to bear so that it can be built the right way from the start. Um, that's really exciting stuff. That's happening here in the Carolinas. Mm -hmm. I agree, this, this is one of the most important concerns. And when it comes down to it. Cybersecurity is Cybersecurity, I mean, FinTech, when it comes down to it, is about people's money. So all the providers in the space have to be super vigilant about protecting people's money. I think this is an area, to your point, Jillian, where traditional financial institutions may have an advantage, right? The, going back, you know, the history of banking, bank business models are built on two things, trust and convenience. Both of those things, those ideas are evolving in today's digital world, but the part about trust, that means any provider supporting banks, banks themselves are providing financial services, needs to really focus on protecting consumer data. And you do that by having a comprehensive data protection program, which means you've identified data that's at risk, you've got layers of the controls around protecting that data, you're audited and examined, and if there happens to be an incident, which to your point, there probably will be, you've got an appropriate remediation or response plan in place. Yeah. So FinTechs, even the smallest ones, if they're dealing with people's money, all of that is important. They can't deprioritize those sorts of things. So let me, let me ask you this way, Chris. To, say, to call FinTech a shadow banking system almost as oppositional, and, would not be accurate? I, I don't think that's accurate. I'm curious what you think, but think a lot of the fintechs um, at, at the foundation are still using traditional banking products. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times they're doing it in partnership with traditional banks. So you, know, you can think about bank fintech partnerships as a way for banks to expand the set of services they offer to their customers. But at the foundation, it's really still traditional banking products that are driving um, what's mm -hmm. happening in fintech, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I mean, even today, the payment process is still underpinned by a banking process. Mm -hmm. Those are bank rails. So I think about fintech's role as being more of helping the endpoints just function better and integrating the different components. It's a lot of the end user experience getting yeah. better, not the behind the scenes infrastructure, which would, they're still riding on. Yeah, and making it more efficient, right? Making it more accessible to the small yeah. merchants. Um, that are you know kind of building up their digital presence. Um, I mean, what, I mean the, the market's what three trillion transactions last year, or th three trillion dollars in or transactions globally um, on you know in on online transactions. Um, it's huge, yeah. right? And I think you know forty six percent of Americans uh, have used their phone for transactions over, or they admit to using their phones uh, to <laughs> transact over the past year. So it's really, I mean, we are really moving to a digital state. And I think a lot of, and to your point, right? I think it's very comp fintech is very complementary to the existing, um, you know, banking system. And it's filling gaps. It's yeah, making it a little bit more efficient. It's bringing, um, you know, lower cost mm -hmm. options. T I agree, and to your yeah. point, Dan, we have reached a point where the underlying infrastructure also needs to evolve. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, and you know, one of the things yes. that I think regulatory is, or central banks or what uh, the 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 core infrastructure that individual financial institutions use the technology infrastructure they use to run their banks. A lot of it is decades old, mm -hmm. and that's fundamentally what's preventing traditional financial institutions, banks, and credit unions from competing with fintech. So these banks, they're feeling pressure from a number of different areas, but you know, one thing is, to, down to the point you made earlier, consumers have uh, different and evolving expectations around how they want to interact with all businesses, mm -hmm. including banks and credit unions through digital channels. So in today's market, banks compete through digital channels. That's where they find customers and that's how they service their customers. Okay, so that's, uh, and this is not to be oppositional, Chris, but that, that is it. that's gotta be done in the full view of regulatory as well as policy. Banks can't do that quickly or nimbly because of the four or five different agencies that they have to report to. So how does that end up changing? How do you, how do you see banks becoming more flexible and compliant to a new system underpinning of exchanges? Well, uh, banks can evolve their technology infrastructure or modernize their technology infrastructure. Outside and, of the auditing process of the Fed or the central they bank? They can, in a regulatory compliant way. So their, their examiners are going to Examiner. want to understand what they're doing. They're still required to have you know, vendor compliance programs and understand the new vendors who might be supporting their new technology infrastructure. They need to you know, do that in a compliant way. But you know, in my opinion, it's not really the regulations that's holding back innovation, it really is the technology mm -hmm. that's holding back innovation at banks. They need, if you look at fintechs, a lot of times what they're doing is taking little pieces of the traditional banking value chain, and they're almost always doing it better than banks can themselves because they're focused on a specific use case and because it's modern technology. So banks need to figure out a way to get into that same dynamic. Do you see that the holdback is the bank's technology and not the uh, regula uh, regulation, the oversight? Yeah, and, and I don't know if it's a holdback. I think it's, I think it slows them down. Like when, when it, so we, we partner with, you know, directly with about 30 banks right now. And so we're literally connecting wires with, with banks to facilitate transactions and customer information. And so we kind of have seen, and I know, I know Chris, you probably have too, we've kind of seen the gamut of technology infrastructure from brand new and works really good and we integrate in days, <laughs> weeks, and then, and then man, this is a one-year project. And yeah. so it's, it's, a, it's a mixed bag out there, but it definitely prevents them from moving as nimbly as they would like to. Yeah. Dan, Dan, who's who's doing it well? What bank? Not, not to play favorites, but who's out you, there? You maybe give <laughs> shout outs yeah. all aboard. Well, this is your opportunity. To <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, it's interesting. I think the the North Carolina community has done a really good job. And our sponsor, we've made a, a purposeful point to have a really wide table. So it's B of A, it's Wells, it's Ally, it's Truist, uh, AIG, Aflac. I think all of them have realized the importance of trying to, to, to make this happen. Um, and so I think they're all trying to do it really well. I know it's a political answer, sorry. <laughs> no, I, I think it's a thoughtful answer. <laughs> Jillian, what do you think? Who's doing it well? Who's got it, who's got it right? And maybe it's not a bank. Maybe there's some associated third party or related bank that does it really well. Who do you think has it, has it right? Uh, so I'm not sure who has it right. I know it's, I think the, the banks are so large that I think it's being done right in pockets mm -hmm. in almost every, in every bank. Beta testing within the organization, you think? 
Yeah, there's some of that. There's some of, you know, sort of labs type work. There's, um, you know, one of the trends now is to create, you know, sort of fintechs within large companies. Um, the success, and one of the models is to spin off those fintechs mm. into their own entity to pull them away from the corporate culture and the, you know, the corporate management structure and processes to try to simulate some of the freedom that fintechs generally have to begin with. Um, but I think it's being done well in pockets. I think. I think the constraints of the environments really do bog some areas yep. down, right? Where you have to deal with a mainframe, you, you're going to get bogged. You know, down. and you said this before, and we've got a minute left. And Dan, I want I want you to answer this question. We talked a little bit about those things that bog it down, hold it back. Talent's got to be one of them. Is talent the biggest thing? Yeah, you know, talent? when you asked the question before about risk, although it's super hard to argue with the fact that cybersecurity would would be number one on the list. I think the thing that maybe not as a risk, but a thing that slows. FinTech down is absolutely talent. Um, the appetite for software engineers and architects is just um, it, the, the insatiable. Uh, the demand it? is just way way outstripping uh, supply right now, and that's really the kind of the mini war that's happening in certain ecosystems. And as as Charlotte and as Raleigh and as I know all these other areas are 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 growing and developing. Um, that becomes one of the things that's just top of mind for, yeah. for me. Okay, thank you. Uh, Dan, thanks for being on the program. Jillian, good to have you on the program. Thank thanks for traveling from oh, the Triangle. Thank you. I know thanks that's not a small me. commitment. Chris, you came in from New Hanover County. Uh, Dan, thank you for helping us get our gang together and being <laughs> patient with us while we tried to figure out how we were going to do it. Uh, thank you for watching our program. If you have any questions or comments about this, we hope you'll watch the full length, but if not, uh, carolinabusinessreview.org. Until next week, I am Chris William. Hope your business and your weekend are good. Good night. Major funding for Carolina Business Review provided by High Point University, Martin Marietta, Colonial Life, The Duke Endowment, Bearings, Grant Thornton, Sonoco, Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Promotional consideration provided by Business North Carolina Magazine. For more information, visit carolinabusinessreview.org.